0: It's time for WOLO and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. on the wall,
1: under the behind the door. Welcome in. There's a crack in the mirror. A wonderful Wednesday. No John, no Jaron Jackson Jr., no problem. Last night may have been the best passing quarter, second quarter, I've witnessed from the Grizz. They went on a 23 run. David Roddy got 11 in a row. The Grizz sweep the road trip. We'll talk about more uh, with that in a second. Tonight, the Tigers take on the Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio. Memphis is a a 19-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. 19-and-a-half points. This is the, at 286, worst net-ranked team in the American. And the Tigers have the psychological issue every game in the American, particularly at home. You cannot lose a home game. And you certainly can't lose to a 286-ranked team and hope to keep a seeding, which, by the way, bracketology Lenardi has them as a five-seed today. You know, Mike DeCorsi with the Fox bracketology, he's got Memphis as a two-seed. If you want to keep that up, you can't lose at all. You can't lose to a 286-ranked team, and uh, I don't think they will. I think there's a chance tonight you'll get to see... More of Jalen Young. Maybe more of Carl Scherenthal. He's only played seven games. He's only played 21 minutes so far. Three minutes per game. Maybe you'll get a chance to see a little bit more of him. And it is official. Yesterday, the city council approved the notes of the last meeting. And they have handed the keys to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium to the University of Memphis. Which by the way I should point out the Tigers football team last poll final AP poll good for number 31 so that's significant if you're dyslexic because they're 31 in the final football poll but they're 13 in the AP in the coach's basketball poll and get that dyslexic the displacement three one one three anyway I would say a pretty good year for Tiger Athletics as we enter 2024. Considering both soccer teams were terrific and made the NCAA tournament, you got a football team that ends up winning 10 games and finishes 31 in the uh, final poll and then 13 in this poll. Pretty good stuff for what's going on there. But now, what will they do? With Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. It all came down to Fred Jones and the Southern Heritage Classic, which he finally agreed to terms with the University of Memphis, now the landlord of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. And he's signed, sealed, and delivered starting September 14th this year, all the way through, I think it's September 11th of 19, of twenty nineteen. of 2032. This is getting ready to
2: say 1932? No,
1: 2032. Yeah. <laughs> I was close to being around in 1932. No, I I wasn't. I was still 21 years away. Um, So what does all that mean? Does it mean that finally they will begin working on the renovation? When will that start? That is still unclear. Are they going to wait till they raise all the additional money first? No. Laird Veach has said in a little podcast with Jeff Brightwell that he hopes to get all the money, the fifty million matching of Fred Smith, who I think is paying 10 million a year for five years. They're hoping to get all of that money secured by the end of twenty four. That is a gargantuan task. But Laird can do it. That's what he's hoping. So where, where do you stand? you got Populist Architects. They're finalizing all the plans. And originally, last year, the plans were to start with some phase this week. Well, that's not going to happen. Basically, I, I believe they're still taking bids. They have not figured out the timelines timeline, nor have they figured out the phases with which they will start. What's the order? Will they start knocking down that stadium? Will they start working on the other side first to make sure it's ready for, I would guess, the showboats at the end of March? We're going to have a guest from the showboats. I think it's going to be John DiFilippio next Friday, a week from this coming Friday. But there's still a lot up in the air. But they are going to start. Now that they've got the keys, they are going to start. They're not waiting for all the financing to be done. They've got $120 million in hand. And I would imagine if they needed to press Fred Smith for more money, they would accelerate his timeline of, of the way he plans on giving. Um, of course, that would be up to him. But they still have to raise the additional 50 But if Laird is saying he can get that done by the end of the year, that's one heck of... An accomplishment, so good, good for him. But uh, nothing started yet, and really, they they got to finalize a lot of plans. But but as long as they got to the go ahead, and they are taking bids, you you know they will be able to finish with the money uh, that they've got, which is the two twenty million budget the, that they have planned. So that that is let's hope going to begin as soon as possible. It'll be interesting to see how game operations will work at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium with the Showboats, because their season starts, I think it's March 30th. I don't know if they start with a home game, and it's it's kind of weird. Uh, all the teams practice in Arlington. Now remember, both the Memphis Showboats and the Houston Gamblers, which are no longer the Gamblers, they're, they're merged with what the XFL team was that they had in Houston. They're going to play in Houston. But Memphis is going to play the games here. I'm not sure the team is staying here. Someone was telling me all the teams are going to practice and they're going to live in Arlington and just come to stadiums to play the game. So we'll, we'll get that all sorted out at least in a week. That would be odd. You would think that the team would still stay here, right? So they get to know the community and more people would become... Emotionally involved with them, the old rune arlegetage of up close and personal, you get to know the team and the athletes, and you care more, and therefore you want to go see them play. That would make sense to me, but I don't know exactly what they're going to do. All right, let, let me get to the Grizz last night. That was it was incredible. 120 to 103. So in that game. This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Marcus Smart, who all of a sudden got healthy, right? Maybe that's it. All of a sudden started hitting threes. I don't think he's ever had three straight games in his entire career because he's a defender and a distributor, smart IQ guy. He scores when you have to. He's never had three 20-point games in a row. He did last night. He ended up scoring... 23. He did that in 21 minutes. He hit four threes in the game. After he hit his fourth three, this is the truth. Look at the tape. He holds up his hand in like, kisses to the crowd. As he's kissing to the crowd, he looks at his fingers. And I guess it's the ring finger. And I want to say it's his left hand. The ring finger... On the hand is bent. It kind of looked like Lionel Hollins. you remember
2: Lionel Holland's fingers?
1: D- those, are, those are crazy.
2: You know, like, how much wear and tear you got to have to have your that entire finger just straight like that?
1: I, I don't know.
2: I really don't. I don't know
1: how Lionel plays golf. He's such a great athlete. He's figured it out. But... That's kind of the way this finger looked, and he looks at his finger, and then he goes, "Oh my God, look at this!" And he shows the coach, and Taylor Jenkins goes, "Go see the guy, go see the doctor, my goodness!" And then you never saw any more. Well, he came out with an ice pack on his on his hand. Uh, so who knows what what, what his story is going to be? But. They had 27 assists. They hit 14 threes. Dallas, I think, averages 17 threes, and they hit only nine. They played ferocious defense. It was, in my mind, tell me if I'm wrong, it was the best game overall I have ever seen Xavier Tillman play. He had a double-double, 19 and 11. He played a bunch of minutes. He hustled everywhere. He's hitting the floor. He's trying to guard. Luca, I mean, he's, he's he's doing everything. He was phenomenal. So he had nineteen, uh, 14 and 11. Uh, Kennard hit three threes. He ended up with 14 points. Both Williams played well. Zaire played uh, as good a game as I've seen without Ja on the floor helping him. It was fantastic. 27 assists, man. And in that run, in the second quarter, when they go on this 23 thing and Roddy had 11, I've never seen better passing. Seriously. They they had one play, and I can't remember who ended up making a wide-open three. But they whipped that ball. There must have been eight passes in 10 seconds. It was fun, fun, fun to watch. So the Grizzlies are now 14-23. and 23. They're only four-and-a-half back of a play-in spot. They play the Clippers at home on Friday. That it's Monday's MLK Day, right, when the, when the Golden State Warriors are here? That's correct. What time is that game? That's a game I may have to try to go see. That's
2: a good be question. My, be my game first in-person
1: game this year.
2: Um, <laughs> well, I
1: love the symposium. I always have.
2: Uh, the game is at 5.
1: 5. So that symposium cool. would be right at 4, probably, 3.30, something like that. I wonder, do they still have a high school game they played before the symposium? They used to make it a heck of a day. Michael Heisley was really incredible and impactful when he began this thing. And I got to give Dolich, uh, Andy Dolich, a lot of credit, too, because I think he and, and, and Heisley were the brainchilds behind the whole thing. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make that if I can. But, uh, you, you know, you're, you're not tanking when you're playing this good, four and a half back. You got plenty of time. You got more than a half a season to make up four and a half games. Now you got to get Triple J back. I hope that knee is just a little knee soreness, and a couple of days rest is all it takes. Because you can't play at this level without him. Or now Marcus Smart, who you you lost for. I'm, I'm going to say he got hurt in the I, mid third quarter and never came back. Is that yeah. right? Do we have any report on him?
2: Uh, they had the the guys had the Michael Cole on earlier in the. Uh, in the last hour, yeah. And they said uh, he said that they haven't had an MRI just yet, but they're expecting to have one here today. So,
1: like, I I still don't know how he did it. Did did so, did, did Cole have a? Because the guy took a shot, it went in. I'm telling you, he's kissing the crowd, and he <laughs> looked at his hand and went, "What? How can that be?"
2: So they they uh, Marcus said that uh, in an uh, interview after the game, yeah, that. He hurt his finger on the play where Luca was driving to the basket, Oh and I guess he swiped down to yeah. kind of strip the ball away. I think that's when. That's it, where it happened, and he didn't yeah.
1: notice it till after he hit the shot. Yes, and he and, that he's, is so and he crazy. said when he
2: when he took the shot and he made it, he knew something felt off about his hand being on the ball, and then that's when he kind of looked at his hand. And it was like, oh, that's right, my hand is dislocated. It,
1: it did look weird because, uh, you know. Yeah, first first of all, why would we notice that, right? But when he takes the shot, it's like that's when he first sees it. And it's like, what? How can this be my hand? Uh, it's the oddest look that he's got, and then he goes and shows Taylor Jenkins, who goes, oh, my God, go see the doc. Um, anyway, nuts, nuts stuff, but uh, this, this Grizz team, I, I will tell you, they're – They're amazing, and and I think you know those that were criticizing Taylor Jenkins earlier in the year need to apologize (laughs) because this guy, I don't know how he does it. I mean, that's about as good as you could play with the personnel that he's got against Dallas. Now, I will say, Derek Lively missed the game. He's their big guy. That's why the Grizz really punished them inside. You know, that may be the difference in the game. They out-rebounded. The Mavericks 54 to 33. I've not seen that kind of an advantage since Steven Adams got hurt inside. They had 18 offensive rebounds, and the difference in the game could well be second chance, 21 to 8. So they miss lively, but look at all the pieces that Memphis is missing. So um, outstanding stuff. Speaking of the NBA, do you see that Eric Spolstra, the deal that he just got, the Miami's? Ooh. Uh, Heath coach? Yeah,
2: Heath's not going nowhere.
1: No, well, he was never going to go anywhere. He he signed an eight-year contract extension worth $120 million. According to every story that I have read, they put this in there, and I kind of love it. It's the most money, total package, most money total package of any coach in North American sports history. So that'd be the U.S. and Canada. There's no hockey coach that makes that kind of money because there's no money like that in in in, uh, in hockey. But there is in the NBA. There is no question about that. I I, I think Eric spolstro is a good guy. Uh, he's a he's a guy who paid his dues. You know, he came up. He's been with Miami since 1995. So if I do my math correct that is 28 years. He came up as a video coordinator, worked his way to being Pat Riley's second-hand man and Riley when he retired in 2008, so that was a 13-year apprenticeship. He got the job. He's been to the final he's won two titles and been to the finals like six times. Pretty phenomenal. Not always with the most highlighted roster, although I think a lot of the players love living in Miami. So he can get free agents, but this is $15 million a year now starting next year for eight years, which means he'll be with the team when it ends. He'll be 61. He'll have been with that team 36 years, more than half of his life with the Miami organization. So he's making $15 mil a year on average. He's not the highest paid guy in the NBA. You know who that
2: is? That's Coach Pop.
1: Yes. Coach Pop makes nineteen million a year. I'm not sure the Spurs are getting their money's worth here last couple of years. Nineteen mil a year for Pop and fifteen mil a year for Eric Spolstra starting next year. I I, I do think it's it's phenomenal. Uh, and, and I congratulate him because he seems to be a good guy. One story. Oh, there's two stories I'm going to touch on real quick. We've got a busy show, as always, Stats. North- really, Brett Norsbury really is going to join us here in the next minute uh, segment live from Forest City. We'll talk some SEC hoops. Um, championship game a little bit. But um, last night, the top two teams in the poll, Purdue... And Houston, both go down. One and two goes down. You know Iowa State's always a tough place to play. I think there have been more top twenty-five teams that have fallen there in the last like five to ten years than almost any other stadium in America. It's 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 tough. Iowa State's a tough place to play. Uh, I I I kind of liken it to Oklahoma State. I mean, it's confined, it's close, the people are rabid. It was so cold there last night, they had a full house. I wonder if that'll happen in Wichita for the Tigers next Sunday with Wichita State when it's supposed to be a high of 10 or something like that with zero or one degree, the low. But it was freezing there, and they all came, and they saw Houston go down and then Purdue. uh, That's a very weird loss. Purdue has weird losses. I hate to say it. You know, Zach Eadie's team lost last year to a 16. And last night to unranked Nebraska. So one and two went down. Last thing, golf story. Good story, I hope. Nobody realized Gary Woodland. Remember he he won a major. It's the last time he's won a tournament. And it was several years ago. Maybe five, six years ago when he won his major trying to remember he was suffering terribly from anxiety but it was worse than that it was this anxiety had nothing to do necessarily with golf if he got in a car he would fear he was going to have a crash if he was on an airplane he thought something disastrous was going to happen he could not get that pit out of his stomach he was feeling so fearful of death and he couldn't figure out what it was. Then they found with an MRI he had a tumor, a benign tumor thank God, on his brain that is the part that is 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 where you have your sensation of fear. So this tumor on his brain was pressing on the portion of the brain that was giving him this dreadful anxiety. So finally, After the meds really didn't quite work, they had to do brain surgery. So they cut a hole in his head the size of a baseball, and they couldn't remove the entire tumor. It's benign because it's also very close to the brain where your eyesight and motion are dictated. So they didn't get it all, but they got enough. He doesn't seem to have the fears anymore, which is the good thing. So he plays golf for the first time since this surgery in Hawaii this week. Um, No one is certain what his fatigue level will be like or even his ability to focus. We will find out. It's the flattest course, if if not the flattest. It certainly is one of them. On the PGA Tour, it's in Honolulu right near Diamond Head. It's beautiful but not strenuous to walk, so we'll see how Gary Woodland does. But I, for one, am going to be pulling hard for um, Mr. Woodland, who used to be a long hitter, but now everybody on that tour is a long hitter. I'm sitting in the family leisure studio. You know the floor model sales going on. All floor model patio sets primed to move. Wicker sofa sets, floor models under two grand. They got they got the patio cushions. They're as low as twenty five dollars. How about pool tables, floor models right there on the floor, beautiful, state of the art, fifteen hundred dollars theater seating. Same thing if it's a floor model, two grand. You can't miss out on this one at I forty in Witten Road. Go see Billy. Go see Lindsay. Go see all the good folks at Family Leisure and ask about the floor model sale. And you know. As always, our title sponsor—it's Genesis of Olive Branch, right at the corner of Highway 78. That's Lamar, and the very first exit in Mississippi is Craft Road. Turn left. Go see a guy named Vinny. Vinny Gerard—he's the crazy Canadian who loves talking hockey. By the way, he's over the Genesis luxury cars. And here's the cool thing about the Genesis SUVs—the GV70, the smaller one; the gv 80s the larger one—they're built. Like luxury cars. So you got a ride of a luxury car in an SUV that sits above. That's what I love about the SUVs. I love sitting above. And you got all the new technology. Every bell and whistle and toy imaginable in an automobile is right there in the GV70 and GV80. And if you talk to Vinny, you might get a deal. Financing, sale, price, the whole schmear. All you got to do is get to Genesis of Olive Branch. We pause for a second, and then we head to Forest City, Arkansas. Brett Norsworthy, standing by. He comes your way in a minute.
0: Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin.
2: Quick like
3: reminders.
1: Um, I mentioned the Gary Woodland PGA story. You know, tomorrow, it's going to be 58 degrees in Memphis can't tell you how many people have contacted me about playing golf. I got a game tomorrow and I can't do it. But if you're gonna play, I just got this reminder from like several places. Because of the impending freeze that's coming and it's coming, it's gonna be really cold next week. They are covering greens everywhere. And most of the time, golf courses, let's let's say Colonial Country Club, they're starting at ten thirty tomorrow morning because it takes that long to get the way you've got a double tarp these things to protect the greens and the freezes. It takes a while to get all 18 holes. So if you're going to play tomorrow, you can better play early or you're going to run into trouble. Just thought I would pass that along. In the meantime, let's head along to Forest City, Arkansas. Our good friend, you listen to him every day right here from 3 to 6 with Sports Time. He is the one and only Brett Norsworthy. Um, I didn't really get a chance to listen much yesterday. So tell me, your thoughts on the championship game, and I, I, I kind of felt it all came down to line play. Isn't that the way it usually comes down um, into the trenches and that Michigan just was better in line
3: play overall? Good morning. I, I, good morning, Dave. I agree. And, and doesn't championships usually come down to that? in the overwhelming box score number – of yards rushing of three hundred three to forty six. Oh, That's yeah. going to win every single no time. No question. And for Michigan, what they did all season long, and it was so sh- uh, over. Uh, you know, it was so shrouded by all the controversy around Jim Harbaugh, but they were just stroking people all year. And then in the bigger games, it was it was close for a while against Penn State. It was real close, very competitive game against Ohio State. But for them, what a what a way to win it, fifteen and zero. And you beat Ohio State again, you win a Big Ten Championship, you beat Alabama, and you beat a team that historically you would have been playing in a Rose Bowl that they knew very well and have you know have some history with the Washington Huskies. That that was just the the crowning touch for Jim Harbaugh and I loved it because I thought all year the sign stealing stuff was I, I, I thought just pure garbage. If you if you're gonna get on every coach that does that, we won't have any coaches left.
1: Well, I go. I go back to something Matt Barnes told us during the height of that controversy when it first came out. Now there's an ethical question that 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 you could fairly ask, but Matt Barnes said to me, once the formation lines up, eighty percent of the time I can tell you what play's coming, depending on exactly. down and distance. Stop it. Right. Um, if you're Jim Harbaugh, not knowing what else might be around the corner with other violations that may or may not have occurred. Would you go, man, I got my championship, as he put it, I get to sit at the big boy table. Will you go take the millions that are going to be offered by the NFL? Or do you stay at Michigan, take all the heat, and get $12.5 bucks for the next 10 years? And honestly, if you think about it, which is the bigger brand? The University of Michigan football team or the L.A. Chargers?
3: I'd take the NFL because it's it's all about football. It's not about Portal. It's not about Mom. It's not about the fight song. All those things are important and all matter, make the fabric of college football what it is. But for him, I, I think for a, a, a very hard-charging guy that I think just wants to coach football and not have to deal with, with all the ancillary stuff that comes with it, and he's done it at Michigan. He's done, he did something at Michigan that Bo Schimbeckler could not do. He did something at Michigan – that, that hadn't been done outright since 1948 and really never on the field. It's really their first you know w- with, without any without any asterisk around it and there's certainly not one around this one and i I, I reject a, a, lot, a lot of the SEC types that are wanting to kind of uh, assign that to them I, I don't at all. They went right through Alabama and they won it all but I, I, would, I would get to the NFL if I if, were if even know was really close to winning the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 47. Against his brother, when Colin Kaepernick played great that day and had Michael Crabtree open in the end zone, and, 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 and Crabtree didn't catch it. Speaking of which, by the way, wouldn't it be great to be Jack Harbaugh knowing
1: you got one son, he just won the national college championship, and the other son, Jim, is uh, uh, John, is the favorite to win the Super Bowl? Could you imagine that yeah, you in one have- year your sons do that? What a proud papa!
3: Yeah, win win a Big Ten championship, beat Ohio State, win a Big Ten championship, win, win a Rose Bowl, beat Alabama, win the national championship, and and have another son hold the Lombardi Trophy for the second time. <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. and the third time in 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 Ravens history. There there
1: are some that that think he he could take the job in Washington, right? And then you got Baltimore close by. That that would be something. They would just live in the middle. <laughs> they could take a train to each son's games. That that would be something. Well, if, he's if not going to take the Bears.
3: Out. It's not open. But he no, wouldn't no. take the Bears anyway so, so. because his his conflict goes way back with Kevin Warren.
1: That that is true. That you're you're right. That that left the Big Ten to become the GM of the Bears. Speaking of which, I think the Bears made the right move in retaining. This just happened today. Iberflaus. They kept him, but they did fire the OC because. The head coach is over the defense anyway, and I thought that defense played better and better and better as the year
3: went on. The offense never clicked. The Bears got better this year. They did. The the Bears got better this year, but I I wouldn't suggest to Matt Eberflus to start 0-3 next year. No, um,
1: and and I don't know what you do, about. do you you have faith in in fields? Do you go in that direction, or do you use that number 1 pick of Charlottes and get a a quarterback?
3: I, I get picks, and I get players. Now, the only thing that scares me about Caleb Williams is, you know, he played college at Oklahoma and college at USC. How's he going to be in those cold weather games? But in his career, he's going to be the quarterback of the Bears when they go to the Dome Stadium in Arlington Heights, so you won't have to worry about weather at the back end of his career.
1: Yeah, I still can't get over that part. All right, let's talk some SEC. Uh, Let's start with college hoops. When's the last time a one and two went down on the same night? And both of them, of course, big upsets.
3: It, it it was a it was a good night in college basketball and Dave and I, I, I think you, you re rejected it last spring when I when I first offered this but I, I'm going to stay with it. What Kelvin Sampson is doing right now at Houston is is bigger and I think ultimately will will, will have a championship. And it's bigger and better than what Majama did. The Faislamajamma years were really three years, maybe four. You count the year before Akeem got there sure. with Rob Williams and, and that crew. And, and, and they did go to the, the final game two times in that stretch, and this team has only been to one final four under Kelvin Sampson. But, I mean, 30-win seasons are now the norm. But he got it last night on the road at Iowa State, but they're, they're going to be around at the end. I, I just what, There's no comparison of Kelvin Sampson to Guy V as, as a coach. And for, for Purdue to, to go on the road to Nebraska, Nebraska played perfectly last night, I'm not surprised. That's college basketball. And today in the net, Houston's number one because of it
1: after losing. I know. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> God love it. I, 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 uh, I, I'll say this to you. The total run – of the Sampson era at Houston will play out. He's the greatest coach of all time. And maybe it'll have more impact than Jamma, But Jamma that had the most talent of any team that Houston has ever had. And it helped change college basketball. Houston and Louisville, those two teams, they were unbelievable in that era. They, Everything they a, was above player. the rim. It was, it was spectacular.
3: They, they had two great players in Akeem and Clyde Drexler and a great nickname
1: thanks to Curry Kirkpatrick
3: yeah
1: all right let's let's talk SEC a little bit here. I watched a lot of the Auburn Am game and now I'm I'm just starting to wonder did we overrate am to begin with this was the second uh slotted team right they were picked two in the preseason poll. they cannot shoot the ball. their star who I believe was the preseason player of the year Wade Taylor. You know what he was from three-point range last night? for 0 oh for 8. Oh for, they
3: cannot shoot this team. No, they can't. It's, it's a grind, and it, they look almost as tight in the offensive end as Buzz Williams looks in that, that three-piece suit on the sidelines with signs of the jacket. I guess it's just a two-piece then. But uh, who would have ever believed that M- Missouri, Michigan, Ugh. Arkansas, and Texas AM, and not only they're not that good – they may be bad. They're killing us. They're
1: killing us in the dang um, net. Do you know that the Arkansas W now is a net a, a, a quad three
3: in the net? Quad Which, three. Dave, doesn't it make you make you think of how good's Duke to go in there and get taken apart at, yeah. at the maybe the rockiness ever Bud Walton Arena, and it's why I think it's huge tonight for Arkansas on the road. At Stagman against Georgia against yeah. Mike White and Georgia's improved, but that's a game that you know if Arkansas doesn't win, they're you know they're they're back at it on Saturday uh, at, at Florida and and that, that's a prescription for starting zero and three.
1: I looked at the Lenardi bracketology, which is obviously way 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 too early, um, and he's got eight. SEC teams in. In the poll, the brand-new poll, Tennessee 5, Kentucky 6, Auburn 16, only three. Now, I think there will be more in the end. I think there's a chance for Ole Miss to get back in. They got dropped this week. There's a chance. you got to win tonight at home. Yeah, and and they've got an interesting game that's against Florida. Florida, on the road, is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm a little surprised. I think I would take Chris Beard's team tonight with that line.
3: It is going to be a really good game, and they'll get after each other. I love Todd Golden, I love Chris Beard. That's two hard charging coaches that they they know they don't, ne- neither won't start 0-2. Florida. I won't say they had Kentucky Saturday, but they were in good shape with three minutes to go. They're up three and with the ball, and Kentucky forced a turnover, scored a, a two in the offensive end. Then the next trip got a shot clock violation and then got a, a top-of-the-key top three-pointer, and then it was all Kentucky down the stretch of the game. Florida had them right there where they wanted them Saturday, but they're probably a year away. And tonight, to, to avoid 0-2 is big for both Florida and Ole Miss. Jimmy Dykes was talking last night during the broadcast broadcast of the game, he was doing that. He thinks there will be nine, and and, and, and Jim, Jimmy's not just you know sunshine and daffodils about the SEC, but he is very positive ab- about it, and he thinks Arkansas will start playing better, and, and that could be the ninth team. I think it will settle around eight, and it even could fall to seven with with it, just the, the the attrition in the conference.
1: Well, uh, in in the Lenardi bracket, you got eight SEC, you got eight Big Twelve. Uh, you got six from the Big Ten and the Big East. The ACC's got five. Mountain West, Pac-12, they each got four, and the American has the two. Memphis a five-seed, although they're a two-seed in the DeCourcy Fox bracketology. Uh, And uh, FAU, which I'm amazed is still this this high. They're a six-seed, and I believe their net is at 22 with three terrible, terrible losses. I think for FAU... Um, being in a in 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 a little better league is is going to pay a price on
3: on Dusty May and that crew, and, 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 and just just a little better league is making them pay that price, and you you see that quite often. We 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 saw it. we've seen it in the in the AAC with Wichita State. Just a little bit of that night in, night out. Now they also it paralleled with the Greg Marshall come apart, and that really hurt them. And that's a a name that I think people should keep an eye on. At college basketball coaching carousel time. When is when does he get re reentry? Well, if
1: I recall correctly, he was like in the first or second year of like an eight year deal with the Koch brothers. I really believe that. So I think he makes like three million a year by doing nothing. Pretty good. And and maybe everyday Saturday. I, I don't know Greg Marshall personally, but um Maybe he's real happy just sitting around doing nothing, going to the mailbox every month. I don't
3: know. Yeah. Having the Koch brothers invest it for him. Not, not a bad deal. because no. you, you know who they have on line one is Warren Buffett. Yeah. Um,
1: they're, they're, uh, what is what is their total net worth? How many tens it's of billions?
3: It's, it, it starts it, with a B. It's quite a A new bit. kind of money. Yeah. Billionaires. It is quite a bit.
1: Another interesting game that I tend to see um, Number five in the country, and they they did the
3: job on Ole Miss. They, they did a job on Ole Miss Saturday. They, they, they did. It was it was reminiscent of the, just the kind of the brawny tactics and and physical play and making shots that they did to Duke in the tournament. And I I, I want to be excited about Tennessee and and their mark their March prospects. Dave, I got to see it. I, I got to see Rick. I got to see Rick Barnes in that Sweet Sixteen game with no drama around it. I'm with you.
1: I'm not convinced of him. I'm just not. Um, I, I'm not either. And I, that, that, that's why we both got to see it. Yeah. And, and Mississippi State, they got they got to go to Starkville tonight. They're point be a and tough half favorite. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked because it's it's college basketball on the road. Come on, Tennessee
3: two and a half point favorite down down at the hump tonight. Is that you got two and a half?
1: I just I looked it up was one and a half.
3: Two and a half is what ESPN bet's saying.
1: Huh. Let me let me take quick look here.
3: Oh, you're right. Two and a half. And Chris Jan's a a, a really a really good coach. And you know he, he had stayed in in the tournament last year. T- tonight in the SEC to avoid being 0 and 0 and two, that's what a lot of people are facing. Four, four teams facing that tonight.
1: All right, Auburn, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, all are two and o. Tennessee is one and o. So in Georgia, and I don't I don't think Georgia's really. Uh, that that good a basketball team? I think they're much better than they were uh, under Crane. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think they're in elite status. Oh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, Alabama. Who's the best team in the SEC? It's Kentucky. It, it's yeah,
3: it, I it, think so too. It, I think I think this is the best team in a while. Not the best team he's had there. No, but it's the best team in a while. And you you look at them. I mean, I mean, they're they're men. It, 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 it's big guys and. Big, 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 matters and they set a screen and cut about as well as a, a, a Kentucky team has of late. And what they did last night, I thought was really impressive. And they, I think there are two or three teams that are legit Final Four contenders from the SEC. Kentucky's the first one. I think, I think Auburn, and I think maybe Tennessee, but it would be in that order. I, Bruce Pearl, I think, is a much better coach than Rick Barnes.
1: No argument for me on any of that. I'm with
3: you. Um, Pearl can coach, can't he? Oh, yeah. And motivate. uh,
1: There's not many guys that, light of the NCAA, get put out of the game for a while, right? Come back and can assemble teams, and sometimes teams that have a good amount of talent, but not superstar talent, and still... Get their way into the at least the second weekend of the NCA. That's and has coaching. made
3: Auburn the toughest arena in the lead go into. Isn't
1: that something you never would have believed? That never.
3: <laughs> no,
1: there, there were some nights when Tony Barbie was there. That how many people do they have in the place?
3: Friends and family. Yeah, there you go. As always, we and, appreciate and Tony it. Barbie didn't have many friends down there. No,
1: no, uh, Tony could rub you the wrong way. He's got a new shot though. He's he's at Central Michigan. Did you know that? I didn't. I did not. Yeah, he's the head coach. Uh, Dan Ramfield's Central. not walking
3: through that door, though. Good luck. At no. Central Michigan. I,
1: I'll tell you what. Derek Kellogg is back in coaching. He's an assistant at Creighton. All the old gang. Uh, Steve Rockefort, he's, he's an assistant. Of course, they're not working out so well at the moment at College at Station with Buzz Williams. So uh, I'm glad to see the old crew still out there and and doing their thing. Even John Robick, he's an NBA scout. He hasn't retired completely, so all those guys are still out there from the old 2008 beautiful grouping that I love so much. Anyway, thank you. We'll be listening to you and to Bryant at 3 o'clock today. Have a great day. You too. That is Brett Norsworthy. He's brought to you in part by the good folks at Grind City Brewing. They've been taking care of Beerness in Memphis for quite a long time now. You know you know all about Grind City, right? That's a father and son dream a few years ago. And they built on property just north of downtown, like a minute, with a view of the skyline and a view of the bridges, this beautiful modern brewery that is gorgeous. And they have put out, I think... a Just the best of all the local beers. It starts with Poppy's Pils. That's the Pilsner. Just what the doctor ordered that I like Pilsners, and I think they do such a fabulous job on this. If you like the pale ales, there's the Godhopper. If you're a blue moonish kind of a guy, there is the Belga. If you like amber lagers, there's the Thaddeus. Even, innovation here, a malt liquor. It's a craft malt liquor. It's not like the one your dad used to drink or your granddad used to drink. It's got a little extra hop. It's called Tiger Tail, a craft malt liquor that is really kind of cool. Check it out. Tell them we sent you. You'll love it. And not only do you have to go downtown to the brewery, but you can go to any spirit shop around town that has the local beers. They all know Grind City Brewing, taking care of beerness in our town. Back in a minute to Baton Rouge we go, another SEC historian. That would be Ron
0: Higgins. He's next. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Wolotion.
1: Some... To Baton Rouge,
0: we go. Our friend
1: Ron Higgins to talk about a myriad of subjects. I'm going to start with obviously, he sees his Tigers all the time. He's been watching our Tigers, uh, the Memphis Tigers, who play, by the way, Texas San Antonio tonight, 19 and a half point favorites. Um, Second time these two have met. Uh, Memphis should be able to experiment tonight. But I got to ask you this question because. I'm not sure I've seen one guy, two games in a row, same spot, three seconds remaining in the game, hit a three to win the game. All the games that you've covered go into SEC games when your dad was the SID at LSU. Have you ever
4: seen that accomplished? No, I've never seen that. If, I, I, I'm guessing if, a, if, if there's a scouting report on Memphis, it's like, Still let Crudley get to the left wing late in the game. Yeah. Uh, my God, it was – and it, it was a high-marking shot. I mean, I saw a picture on Facebook last night. It was a very wide shot of, uh, 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 from the crowd of the shot. It was a beautiful shot, just beautiful. Oh. Uh, and, I, I, mean, I mean, and of course, it sent me back. I'm thinking, this guy loves taking late-game shots. You know, I know – You know, you mentioned last year Memphis had 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 the guy who loved shoot three point shots, Kendrick Uh, Davis,
1: who could. Well, he loved driving. He he picked up more fouls. He drew more fouls than any player I've ever seen, except except for maybe Luka Doncic.
4: I don't think there's anybody in history who took as many, who won the ball in his hands and was willing to take big shots like Elliot Perry did.
1: You know, it's so funny that you say that. I was just talking with Penny about that because he mentioned clutch shooters, and he talked about Andre Turner, and I said, I think the most – now, I don't know about Larry Finch. He, he could have been in that, in that league. Of course, um, they had a pretty good inside player, a couple of them, and they didn't have three-point lines back then. The guy that hit the most game winners for the University of Memphis was Elliot Perry. I think there's at least four or five of them.
4: Oh, yeah. I remember one in South Carolina. There's one, one or two, Tulane I, I remember. You, 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 tell, you tell everybody why you remember, it, and I'll tell you why I remember. Oh, I, I
1: remember John Albright and I were doing that game on television, and in those days the student section was right behind the, the mid-court line, right behind the TV. And when Elliott Perry hit that game winner, both of us, Albright and I got doused with beer. I'll never forget that.
4: I remember how Chris Fallen Perry Clark was because oh, yeah. he – all the teams would get the ball. But what I remember the most was, you know, I I got back to the hotel. That, that Memphis always stayed at the Holiday Inn Airport. Okay, always.
1: That's right. Well, Larry liked that. There was a KFC close by.
4: Hey, hey, so this is what happened. I get back late, and there's Larry, and he's sitting out there, and there's had this indoor pool to hold him. He's sitting there by himself. This was like about midnight. I go, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Man, I'm hungry." Because I, I want some yard bird. You know, loves his chicken. Right. So. We go look for the KFC that's closed. So Larry and I are driving around Kenner, Louisiana, like at 1 o'clock in the morning looking for a, looking for a, a fried chicken place, it's kind of Popeye's that was open. And we sat there to like about 2 o'clock in the morning around the pool eating chicken and reviewing the whole game. Uh, that's what I loved about Larry Finch. Oh, yeah. He, he was the most human coach ever, ever ever coached. Like, just a guy, you know, and – and he was—he'd he'd tell you stuff. He'd be honest about about assessment of players and stuff. And he trusted you that you know that you know if there was the, if you wanted to write it, you'd go back and ask him to say, you know, what can I say? How can you phrase this to where I don't make the guy look bad? Uh, and, I, and I remember that. Remember, remember sitting around at two o'clock in the morning of Larry eating chicken at a swimming pool after Ellie hit the game winner, and he he was still because he was still pulled from the game. You know, coaches have the Writers are like coaches. They have a hard time coming down after a game. Yes, and, and you know that because yeah. broadcast. It, ta- it takes you. I mean, you you can get home at midnight, and you're not going go to go sleep like about two thirty or three because you're still wound. That's uh, exactly
1: right. And and Larry and, loved driving around late at night. He he loved driving <laughs> around Orange Mound, his his neck of the woods. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: um, I asked this of stats a little while ago. I'll ask it of you. Um, the SEC in bracketology by Lenardi has eight teams in. Uh, the the undefeateds at this point are Auburn, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, your guys, Georgia's 1-0, we know that won't last, and Tennessee. Who's the best team in the SEC? Probably, I'd say Kentucky
4: and Tennessee. I yeah. mean, I think Tennessee's put a harder schedule than Kentucky. Uh I mean, Kentucky still plays it. you know they always play some some people. I'd say those two, yeah, I'd say those two. I mean, it was Kentucky surprising somewhat? Yeah, I mean, I mean after a year Cal had last year and everybody kind of kind of wrote him off. But look, he's, he's got Dewan Wagner's son, which is always good, which was always a good move. I mean, his his lineup has, his lineup has two freshmen, uh, three freshmen, and, and a, a senior and a grad and a grad student. Uh, it's a good lineup. I mean, he, he goes about six or seven deep. Uh they play well together. They they shoot more threes than any team he's ever had. Uh but they're also making them so he right. must be okay with it. So I mean right now those two, yeah, you know, in Tennessee is uh, uh, Barnes does a really good job of recruiting. Uh it's their postseason they have problems. Uh and that's tri- traditionally that's been the problem with, with Rick Barnes. And he's been a been a great coach all year, but he gets into a tournament and, and somehow uh you know, doesn't win. We discussed this before, Dave, uh, the, the, the Derrick Rose final Four team beat Texas like a rented Yeah. Houston. In, in Houston. Right. Oh my God. That was, that was a destruction. I mean, it was embarrassing. Uh, and I'll never forget that game. Well, I don't, I don't think
1: kept... he even got to the uh, final four with Kevin
4: Durant. No, no, he did not. I, I saw, I saw that team at a regional in Seattle, Arkansas was there. Uh, and no, he did. He didn't get there. But I remember that that final tournament, I that team that they, they lost to, had DJ Augustine Garden, Texas, and he—that right. was supposed to be their stud that was going to shut down Derrick Rose, and Derrick Rose just embarrassed him, just embarrassed him.
1: Well, he did that uh, to a, a, a lot of guys, a lot well, of people. Last yeah. thing, real quick, I got to ask you: the two busts so far, A and M picked second. They looked awful last night uh, down the stretch against Auburn. Even though they kept staying in the game with hustle and defense, they could not score and they could not shoot. And then um, I, I, I guess the, the, uh, the other bust has to be Arkansas. I mean, I, I don't know what's happened to that team. That Memphis win now is a quad three win because they can't get it together. The, I don't know how they beat Duke the way they did. I think
2: it's, uh,
4: honestly, I think it's a matter of effort. I think they're not playing to most standards of, of, of playing hard and, and just not showing fight. Uh, they have, obviously have talent, but you know, Muslims team them always have. Uh, they always play hard, and they, they 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 fight you to the death. This team doesn't do that. And as far as a And M, that's the worst collection of shooters I have ever seen. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking most of the Aggies probably skip sniper class on campus because they can't hit nothing. Mm. They, they they shot twenty five against LSU Saturday, and they just keep firing threes and they miss them badly. And, but, the preseason
1: player of the year was 0 for 8 from 3 last, last night, Wade Taylor.
4: A&M's whole thing is they won games because they are the best offensive rebound in the nation because they missed so many shots. If you keep them off the boards, they can't score. Uh, that's basically it. Their whole offense is we're going to miss shots and go rebound and stick them back in. If you can't, if you can't do that, they can't score. And LSU, LSU kept them off the boards last night, same thing. So uh, they got some problems, and uh, – you know, they were picked in the league to finish second in the preseason by a bunch of drunk horse riders, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, wow, yeah. It, uh. it's You know, it's interesting so far. Uh, LSU's 2-0 for the first time. The SEC is the 2019-20. Uh, believe me, uh, they haven't played anybody yet. They, they do look better, but they ain't played about it yet. And yeah. it, it, it all, yeah. it all come out in the watch. I, I, th- I think. The, I think in the end, the SEC gets like six teams in. Okay, yeah, six, well, seven. Yeah. Uh, I just there's no way they'll have nine. Really, nine
1: they they got eight in the bracketology. We'll we'll talk about Arkansas as well as next week. That's for sure. Ron Higgins, as always, we appreciate it. Have a great week. All right, Waldo, take care. We'll see you. You got it. That's Ron Higgins down in Baton Rouge. He's brought to you by the Eflin Insurance team. Matt and his pros, they're special because – They want to get to know you. They do insurance the collaborative way. They sit down. They get to know you, your family, what you're thinking about the future, what your budget is. And they find the perfect protection for your home, for your car, for life insurance as well. Same kind of philosophy with small to mid-sized businesses. That's where they specialize in commercial insurance. What they do is they get to know you. Your product, your employees, they forecast you down a little bit. What's your budget? What's important? And then they protect your company. That's simple. 386-GUR. That's the number. 901-386-4777. That spells GUR because they're big Tiger fans. You want to get protected either your home or your business It's simple. You get a hold of the Eflin Insurance team. That'll do it for us. Johnny Radio is right around the corner. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Have a great day, everyone.